Jacob Wayne show. This is Jacob Wayne, and with me, as always, is the splendiferous Kellen Gibbons. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good today. How are you doing? Um, doing good. Ran a lot of errands today. Set up a old used PS4 in my room so I can watch Ooh. my movies, play my video games. Damn, the PS4 and, is the yeah. old one now. Mm-hmm. Good and lord. And the one I bought was eighty bucks. And it's loud as hell when it tries to process stuff. So <laughs> I'm hoping we can, you know, get in there, get some dust off stuff or whatever it is. But we already did a little bit of air dusting on it. Yeah. And so it's manageable. I just turn the TV up and, you know, pretend like you don't hear it. But it's enough to keep my room entertaining when I got to spend more time down there. Nice. So, well, yeah. that's, that's How about cool. you? Well, uh, today I was doing a lot of musical projects, so I had a rehearsal helping a friend record some songs she's written over the last couple of years, so I'm going to help her get them down, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, then also had a rehearsal with the Highline Drifters. Our our mm-hmm. album's coming out pretty soon. I think we have a single drop in this week, so be on the lookout for that. Um... Before we get into your music stuff, let's do the beer thing, and then we can I can kind of poke you about oh, some of that. Okay. Um. So you got your beer ready, sir? I do. If those listening, get your beer ready. It's three, two, one. <laughs> I'm sipping mm. on an old jubilation, English style old ale. It's a classic winter warmer. Eight point three percent, and it's by Avery Brewing. Oh man, I've never had that one. That sounds lovely. Yeah, I do like. I'll give the... it a quick sip. And yeah, it's definitely got a bit of an IPA-like flavor to it. Yeah, oh, that. My goodness, my phone should have been turned off. Please set to vibrate. If you know what that little song is, I will purchase you Gamma Paw's new EP that just released on Friday. Holy But you have to write us at fakoshka at gmail.com. I have a guess, but I guess I won't say it. So It sounds like it's like a tasty old video game track. It is. But that's all I'll say. Okay. Okay. So that uh, winter warmers, those are usually kind of just kind of like dark IPAs, I believe. Okay. So pretty. I wasn't sure. Yeah. 
said the English style old ale. What makes it an English style? Um, I feel like uh, the main thing I notice is like less carbonation. So I don't know if that's a less yeast or less time. <laughs> so just a little less. It does seem a little me. more flat. Yeah. And it has that feel on your tongue. Maybe that's another thing, like something they do to the water that kind of, maybe they soften the water a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure on that. But the winter warmer is a distinct style that I do believe is English. So mm. I do like that. It those. does say it's a limited release as well. I just noticed that. Well, dang, I hope I can snag me one someday. I'll, uh, well, maybe I'll save you one. There you go. I shouldn't be too long before I'm down there. Yeah, but uh, you know me. Sometimes I just grab a beer because of oh, 8.3, okay. Yeah. We'll get the job done. Well, this one you would have grabbed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm drinking the Albion Triple. Uh, That's the style, a Belgian style. And it's mm -hmm. from TF, so Templin Family Brewing from Salt Lake. It is 10.2%. Okay. Wow, there you go. Yeah, it's a tall can. It's a good time. And it is delicious. Yeah, yeah. If you like Belgian beer, which is one of my favorites, so I'm in. Yeah, I do tend to like those if one I'm in the mood for them. Yeah, I think you'd like this one a lot. I, it's pretty similar to like that Boulevard Devil's that Sixth Glass or whatever. Not the bourbon barrel mm -hmm. one, just the normal one. <laughs> All right. Maybe I save two of these old jubilations for you. Bring me one, you bring me one of those. Okay, that sounds like a fair beer trade. Yeah. Um. With that, since we've opened our beers, let's get into music. I guess right off the bat. Sometimes cool. we wait till later, but there's a lot of music stuff going on. I guess. Uh, Indeed. So, the first thing first, if you don't mind repeating, you said you were helping record some songs for who again? It's just my my friend Rachel. We used to be in a band uh, back in the day, a cover band, just playing classic rock and like '90s rock hits. <laughs> yeah. So we had some good times, but she also writes songs, and I, I we also wrote a song together. There's some that I kind of helped write, but mostly it's like songs she writes, and I kind of take them and produce them. Basically, I'm just help. Basically, I'm just a producer helper. Pick out what instruments we could do and. Maybe suggest some different chord changes or how we can like build the song differently. So yeah, it's pretty fun. Cool. Uh, what's the name of the project? Is it just under her name? Yeah, I think it's just gonna be her name. I haven't, we haven't even gotten that far. You know, today was the first day we've met. Just kind of picked the first songs we're gonna try to get down. So okay, but it's kind of a singer songwritery sort of thing. Uh it's actually it's gonna come out pretty like country rock, like old school. Okay good stuff yeah. you know so more like old school doobie brothers kind of uh, like pat benatar uh that kind of thing hmm, there you go i do like pat benatar yeah that's uh my friend uh has been told she sounds a lot like pat benatar and yeah she can hmm. definitely do a good pat benatar like sing her songs really well so yeah it's a fun Ooh. fun project and while I'm looking up Pat Benatar, I was trying to remember what my favorite song of hers was. Um, Highland, Highland, bleh, Highland Drifters. Yeah, 
uh what's going on there we got our first album is coming out real soon i think the the physical copies are getting shipped next week and uh should be popping up online i'm not sure exactly the date on that but there will be a single in the next couple weeks and then i think the album won't be too far behind that so y'all doing vinyls uh not yet but now that it's more of an option we might look into that yeah (laughs) i i do like that i was doing a lot of quick scanning on uh band camp and i'm sure people have heard about it by now there's the band camp friday so every first friday of the month they give 100 percent of the profits of their sales to the artists Mm -hmm. um as I was reading, like best way to promote your release, uh, they're like, we're looking into having our own vinyl pressing system where all you got to do is pay for the vinyl at the site and that covers the cost of the production of the vinyl. So I imagine it works a lot like the print sites that I use for artwork. I get like about a 25% cut or whatever it would be with the vinyl. And yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I do wonder yeah, so. how they're making the vinyl. Like, mm-hmm. I know that uh, classic vinyl, you make like one master record. I think they called them mm-hmm. Mothers. And uh, that's like the, you know, the pressing. And then you, you literally, yeah, it's like a negative and you press it into the other uh, records. And that's how they made the old ones. So I don't know how they're making the new ones because it seems like. It would be like getting a CD made your, or anything screen printed. The first one is going to cost like $50 more just to make mm-hmm. the thing, you know, make the template. So I wonder if they have to do that with these. If you have to pay like a first time fee, then they just keep it. And then anytime if someone else orders one, they can pull it out and press it. I don't know. I could see them also just, oh, it costs this much to make the mother and we're they're all mothers. <laughs> Just gonna keep charging that. Yeah, that could be. I wouldn't true. be surprised, but yeah. You know the old. I actually found a record duplicator in an antique store, and I we didn't want to buy it because we're like, well, we can't find blanks, but we should have just bought it because it's cool. But Man. you know, that's like running, just tracking the one record and recreating it on the other record. I imagine there's. You know, that's basically a CNC machine could do like the same thing, I imagine. So I'll bet they can mm-hmm. just kind of print them just as a specialized machine, which I'm sure costs a lot of money. But once you have it, you can just crank out the records. Yeah, for sure. So I'm definitely looking forward to a day we can get Kitty Massage Parlor on vinyl and some other things. I think that'd be really cool. I think that album is going to just that's going to be its best sound. I think it's going to yeah. sound awesome on vinyl. I agree. There's some albums I... that just come alive. Well, that album came out 2012, right? Oh my God. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think we were right at the tail end of like, let's get a big bulk order of CDs. And we designed the whole CD case and, did all this cool stuff and CDs just kind of went away. Yeah, it was right at the end of it. And vinyls are getting popular again. And I remember there was something recently where they said vinyls 
surpassed uh, CDs and cassettes for the first time since like the early 80s or something like that. Yeah, I remember seeing that. And yeah, I, I've i been building up my vinyl collection slowly. Uh, I got another album today that was from 2012, which was Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Mad City. Nice. And that's like, I think his, he had Section 80, which I'm not so sure is like his first official big release. Like it might've been more of an indie release. I could be wrong on that, but good kid, mad city was kind of like his debut. That has like, bitch, don't kill my vibe on it. And Mm -hmm. uh, some other one money trees is my favorite off of it. But I've uh, decided I'm going to get a, at least one vinyl every month. And that was my choice for this month. Nice. Yeah, that's a good choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the but, the yeah. store I teach at KSM has started uh, stocking vinyl, so I haven't actually bought too many. Because uh, a, I need to get my record player more accessible. But yeah. yeah, they do get some pretty cool stuff in, and it is cool how many like new artists are releasing all their stuff on it. Like yeah. I mentioned last week, that album that I did a shout out last podcast uh, will blades shimmy it is Mm -hmm. now up for sale by the way so i will be ordering that one that's going to be my next one there you go and yeah it's i'm not usually one to fall for kind of gimmicky things like this and it sounds like a gimmick but when you buy vinyl it really is just there's more of an atmosphere to the whole process it's more ritual and uh, you can just look at the artwork and go through the liner notes and it's all a warm sound coming from your speakers. Yeah, that's the thing people don't get is like it's it's the same reason people like tube guitar amps. Like, yeah, it's sonically, if you're looking at it scientifically, it doesn't it doesn't sound as good on paper, like with distortion values and stuff, but. Like, mm-hmm. what they did to, like, counteract how it does sound, like, really scooping out, like, they had to really crank the bass and the treble, and, because it's really mm-hmm. MIDI, you know, but that's, what they did to get it to sound like that is what gives it its character, and it just, we like distortion, like, musical distortion, so it sounds, oh, yeah. we we love it, it makes the sound, like, fatter, you know? It's, oh, yeah. It's good stuff. It like, feels like it has a history to it. Yeah, I still am like think about I I need to come down and see you guys to hang out with you, but also every time I'm there, we have to listen to Sailing the Seas of Cheese on vinyl because that mm-hmm. album is just so good on vinyl. <laughs> that usually kind of turns into the first night of the visit is having some good beers and like all right, let's go through the vinyls and kind of decide what we're going to do the rest of the visit. But yeah, yep. it's, it's a good time. Get out Rhythm of the Jungle. That's a thrift store mm-hmm. favorite. Yeah, for sure. Um, My favorite Pat Benatar song is Love is a Battlefield, by the way. Oh yeah, I think I've... I know that for some reason. I wouldn't have remembered it until you said it. Just all doing the snap dancing. Yeah. Like, uh, man, what's that musical? West Side Story? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll do that in the dance club. 
going after a piece of shit man. Yep. Yeah. That's good dude. Mm-hmm. Um I was I will say it one more time. Gamma Pom, my musical project with Shocky. You've heard him on the show before. Um, we just released our second EP. It is called the Hexus EP. And we're releasing it on Bandcamp for the first week or so. Just to let people that actually want to contribute a little bit to the project, um, a little bit of an early access thing, and eventually it'll be on all the streaming services, so you'll be able to hear it for free soon. And we're just uh, getting that out there, taking a short little break, and then getting to work on the third one. And uh, we kind of learned how to do mastering on this one. We didn't master at all on our first EP. We didn't really know about it, and we were like, oh, if we mix it good enough, then that should be good enough, and we just kind of went with that, and so this time around, we had better recording mics, better mixing, you know, practice in general. We just did more research and then mastered it, and it just sounds way better, so we're pretty excited mm -hmm. to go in and master the first EP and then when we release the third one, we might see about seeing if all three of them fit on a vinyl and just kind of release the three EPs as like an album. Oh, there you go. But, uh, you know, we're going to see where it goes. Uh, the three EP idea I'm ripping off from a band called The Beta Band. And that's all oh. they did. They had three EPs and smushed them together into an album. And that album's great. It's kind of seamless. So, yeah. You could like and then after that, it's like we have the vinyl with the three EPs. We used programmed drums that I did myself, and we'll wait around until we actually get a drummer to be able to record for us in good quality, or we actually get an official drummer, and then that'll be the second release, whatever that ends up being. The second album, anyways. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. It's kind of the game plan there. So... If you're a listener to this and you support what we do, keep your eye out for the Highland Drifters soon and go download our Gammapod second EP, the Hexus EP, right. $5 on Bandcamp. Ooh, what a deal. Yeah. Uh, well, any other music news before we roll on? Uh, no, nothing, nothing that I can think of. Everything else is just rolling along. I haven't, uh, I haven't been seeing any new releases or anything come up this week. Yeah. Oh, I guess we could talk about Marilyn Manson a little bit. Oh yeah, apparently um, he's an asshole now. Yeah, he's a. He turns out he's exactly what you thought he might have been like this entire time. Um. Yeah. I, I had a buddy of mine who was a huge Marilyn Manson fan when we were in high school and a little bit after. And so he bought his book that he released at some point around 2004, give or take a year. Uh -huh. And he would just tell me about random stories from that book. And I was just like, wow, what a piece of shit. And turns out, yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. So, uh... You know, I'm definitely of the mindset that some of these are worse than others, and 
innocent until proven guilty, you know, so on and so forth. I don't, I think believe all women is a bit naive. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, just every single one of them, just when they say anything. Okay. That being said, when the evidence is there, you shouldn't shame these girls for coming out about it and not be like, oh, what took them so long? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, nah, fuck you. People are ready to talk about things that damage them when they're ready to talk about them, and it might be years. Yep. And so, yeah, just a lot of the evidence stacks up on this guy, some of it being his own words. The question being how much of it is consensual, so on and so forth. But, yeah. Oh, man. It is really weird to see him. You know, I haven't checked up on him in a couple of years, and he's he's getting old. He's looking pretty uh, little, little a little bit draggled nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> still rocking the paint. Maybe kind of got maybe left in some foundation under there. Yeah, got left in the water for a little too long. Kind of swole up. Yeah, <laughs> got a little baggy. Yeah, and I I guess that's the other element to this, too, is uh, I don't think they should take his music down or anything. Oh, no, never. Um, That being said, if his record label wants to be like, okay, we're kicking you off, that makes sense to me. Yeah. That's business. They don't want to be associated with somebody that's, like, got that much bad press or also done bad things and that makes total sense but i guess just where i kind of stick on it is once a piece of art's been created i think we've talked about this before it's now part of society it kind of belongs to society as a whole and not just the artist so yeah kind of when lewis ck's stuff went down and they just took his shows off of everything it was like well those are still really good shows yeah that actually have pretty good morals to them once you get past the absurd dick jokes of it all. And yeah, uh-huh. whole episodes on masturbation. It, it You look at it differently after you find out some more shit about Louis C.K., but it's just like, yeah, let's not run away from it. It's It's kind of part of the whole human thing. Yeah, for sure. And I think especially in like the case of like a, albums... Uh, in particular, like if they tried to like drop all the Marilyn Manson albums, that'd just make them more popular in a way. It would, yeah. it would serve the exact opposite thing of what they're trying to do. It would like, you know, memorialize him forever, and his albums would be like sought after instead of what he'll, you know, he's definitely mm-hmm. memorable, but I think he probably is going to fade into obscurity in the current, you know the current track record and yeah well and i mean at the end of the day he wrote some really good songs there's usually like one or two that i really like off of each of his albums and then after a while you realize holy shit a bunch of them are covers mm-hmm. and that's kind of what he is and it's like yeah. all right just let him be that but that actually does lead me into a, a little bit of a politics thing i guess is I think that that is one of the biggest mistakes that people on the left make is that they're so concerned with the ideological and moral purity of their members 
that they're just always looking to cancel people or remove them or shame them. And so we're seeing it right now with that uh, one representative. I forget her full name. I'm still learning it, but Green. Yeah. The lady that believes in the Jewish space lasers and QAnon and all that. Like, yeah. And it, that's, that's also another interesting thing because removing her from major committees in Congress totally makes sense to me. Like, yeah, she shouldn't be in charge of anything like that if that's wow. how her brain works. But that being said, the left going so hard at her is only serving to make her more powerful within the right. Exactly. And it's the same shit that happened with Trump. Yeah. Like exactly. the left hated him so much that they just it turned into a cult of personality love for him on the other end of it. So it's like mm-hmm. I don't even know if I have any solution to it at the moment. This is something I'm sure we'll keep coming back to over the months and years going forward, but how do you properly remove people from positions of influence when they are that erratic, irresponsible, or just to put it bluntly, full of shit, but without turning them into a martyr for free speech or something like that. It's like, no, this isn't about free speech. This is about somebody being a part of our government that exactly clearly flawed thinking. You can't call for the execution of another member of government. That should, right there, she should be kicked out on that. Like, done gone and that's not nothing to do with free speech you can't well that's it the speech is still free you can say it there's consequences to what you say and that's i I wish the left would only be going after it in that realm that's what they should be doing i think like politically yeah the political climate should be respectful and uh you know doing all that stuff right but like trying to get like the whole world the to comply with it, it's just like just you just gotta ignore people at a certain point. <laughs> just mm-hmm. like stop listening to them. Well, and I know we discussed this on a previous episode, but I'll just reiterate that if Facebook or Google or Apple wants to remove somebody from their services, that's their right as a company. And I'm not being hypocritical on this because if we go back to that cake making company that wouldn't do it for homosexual weddings. Yeah. I think that's their right. And they shouldn't be forced to do that. Yep. Do I agree with them and think that they are right? No. I think they're bigoted pieces of shit. But it's the free market. They get to run their business the way they see fit. And hopefully people just say, wow, what a bunch of assholes. I'm not taking my business there. Yeah, I'm not going to go buy and cake from them. It kind of reminds me of people that, you know, believe in gay marriage and gay rights, and yet they're Mormon, and they just endlessly waste their breath on trying to convince the Mormon church to change their stance on homosexuality. And it kind of drives me crazy, because I'm like, they've always been against it. So why doesn't that tell you that maybe they're full of shit? Yeah. It couldn't possibly be that. No, no, no. It's just that they're misinterpreting what God really meant. So just come on, like this. Let's be slightly cooler Mormons. It's just like maybe Mormons are never going to be cool with that shit, and therein lies the issue with it. So leave. 
and know that if there is an all-knowing all-loving omnipotent omnipresent creator that is love personified you might understand if you're more into dicks than vaginas yeah or the other way around i personally think that if i die and get to have any kind of interaction with the deity i think i'm going to be able to explain myself and be like, oh, yeah, that one time I looked at that porn, I was just a little curious, but, you know, it was all this stuff. And, uh, mm, yeah, I jacked off a lot, God, and there's that. Stole a candy bar from a store once. But, you know, I learned from it, and I stopped stealing from stores. And I would imagine you'd be like, yeah, I get it. That's life. Life's, S- life's crazy. Screw those capitalist pigs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like, just if God's just like, what? You What? Spite. You even thought about being gay. You shall be tortured for eternity. I love you. Just sounds a little silly to me. Don't make no sense. Yeah. So, we just called out the GOP and God. Yeah. And And now, coming up next, (laughs) if we get up there and it's Mormon Jesus, I'm out. (laughs) That's the one that's right. It is one of those like little paradoxical things, but it is funny. It's just like if if it turns out Mormons are right, then that doesn't change the fact that I find it silly. Yeah. So I guess I am a heathen. I belong I belong where I go. Well, that's the funny thing about if you get you know, read all real deep, you it's it's actually pretty good for an afterlife because you can upgrade. Even if you do go to like you can't even go to hell until you meet Jesus, and then mm-hmm. yeah, the second the second layer of heaven ain't so bad. That's probably where you'll go, uh, being a bad Mormon. And then uh, yeah, yeah, isn't the one below that like murderers and rapists and stuff? And it's still like ten. Times. I thought I remember somebody saying that you would kill yourself to get there. Yeah, and if our, you did do that, that is exactly where you'd go. So, man. I I remember the first guy that gave us that talk. I I don't know how, but yeah, pretty young kid, uh, before seminary and stuff. And I remember him saying the bottom rung was ten times more perfect than Earth. And so he was like, "So here you surf, there you could surf on lava." And, <laughs> and I was like what that sounds badass man what's next he's like second yeah. tier of heaven you're an angel i'm like okay that lava mm. sounding cooler all right what's what's the lava final one? angel <laughs> no just a normal boring angel and then the top yeah. tier like the best the best heaven you can get he's like you're just gonna bring to pass the immortality of man i was like yeah i'll take the lava yeah <laughs> i'm gonna go surfing on lava i think yeah and you know once again if you're a Mormon and you're just like huffing away at listening to this, I if feel, you're a feel Mormon, free to write us at fuckhoshkidgmail.com. If you we will read it on the air and address it. But I'm pretty sure we were both raised thinking that, yeah, if you kill yourself, you're going to that third level. And we'll get the terms right some other episode. I can't really even remember the names. Um, oh, you want them? I know them. Yeah, what's the what's the bottom one? Terrestrial. Terrestrial? Yeah. Okay. And yeah, it's like when they explain that to me, I'm like, well, I know I'm better than a rapist and I'm probably not going to kill myself or do any of that. So 
I'm doing pretty good. Like that that's still heaven. Yep. I get to find out who killed JFK. I get to go like look at the signing of the Constitution. Like that's <laughs> badass. Like I'm all right, I'm fine. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 you should want more. I'm like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, no, that sounds pretty solid. Yeah, they're and not it's very like, good. Can't your family come and visit you? You just can't go up and visit them. Yeah, exactly. The top tiers can come down. Yep. And they can get they can convert you. You can graduate. You just have to be a good Mormon in heaven. And oh. but yeah. I've heard mixed messages on that particular bit, but yeah. Well, that's that's part that's the whole thing about the Mormon church. This is just one of the many holes in there. <laughs> their whole thing. And if you're a Mormon that's listened all the way to episode 22, I commend you. And yeah. please write us. I, I don't know what it is, man. Some Mormons, not all of them, but some love me. Ah. They're, they're like Jacob Wayne Show? Sweet. <laughs> Hot. <laughs> they're just, they're here for it. But um, I was going to say, like, oh, family will come visit me whenever they feel like I can't go visit them. Yeah. What? Not much different from life right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Shout out to siblings and moms and dads. Hey, yo. It's actually the reverse, though. I actually have to go visit them. They're not going to come visit me. Yeah. But, uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come visit nah. you. Well, that's why you got to make family where, where you can. And exactly. that's not to say I don't love my family. It's just the Mormon barrier, certainly. You know, you don't want to offend them. They don't want to come live your heathen lifestyle, so. Oh yeah, makes it kind of difficult. That's all. You know, I I still live like where I grew up in that culture, and it's the it's a barrier for sure. Like they're almost, you know, more than just neighbors at that point. You know, yeah. it's not your normal neighbor when you go to church with them every Sunday. Some of them are sharing these all, you know, deep doctrinal discussions. All kinds of yeah. stuff. I was really good friends with some people that live around here. Now it's not like totally just cut off. They'll like say hi, but yeah, they don't want a thing to do <laughs> with the nomos. Well, and I mean, the feeling's mutual. It's uh, a little bit. If I lived in the same town with my family, I'm sure we'd still do family dinners. I, I'd show up to the special events of my nieces and nephews, but there's a certain point during that family dinner where they just start talking about church and I don't even think they'd realize they're doing it. Nope. And if they do, that wouldn't be surprising either, but that makes it more annoying. But it's just like, yeah, I can't talk to you about beers or the R-rated films I watched recently without, you know, cherry picking my descriptions and my words and politically we don't see eye to eye all this stuff, so... We have dinner, we chit-chat on some really basic levels, and then it's like, all right, I gotta go. Yeah. Can't keep doing this. For real, it's a one-way street on that. You gotta comply with their, what they want to discuss, but, yep, you don't get to, you don't get to, what's the word, hold them down. (laughs) persecute them (laughs) there's such a fine line between cuddling and holding somebody down so they can't get away david tell (laughs) jaeger um 
But no, yeah, and that is something. I wonder if they even stop to think like, wait a minute, what was your week like? But they honestly want to know. And yeah, it's like you. I wouldn't want to tell them. I'd be like, I jacked off a bunch. Uh, <laughs> uh, watched this really super gory movie where somebody shunts another person by sticking his hand up his ass and <laughs> turning him inside <laughs> out. Fatality. Uh, li- listen to Kendrick Lamar's "Good Kid, Mad City" and it's some motherfucking gangster rap classic. Like, there's just every avenue. Which is pretty much every avenue on this podcast. It's just like, eh, yeah, I yeah. bought a record, saw a movie, laid in bed a lot. Wow. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> what a thrilling life. <laughs> it's like, it's actually quite nice. I just can't get into the details. Yeah. How was your life? Well, we went to church on this day, and then we went and cleaned the church on this day, and then we met with Sister Sepapapa on this day, and... Yep. Uh, okay. Indeed. Anyway, this is not Mormon Bash, the podcast. That won't be coming out until summer. <laughs> we'll do a, a six-part series on that. <laughs> yeah. But I do love my Mormon friends and family. I just wish you'd think about it a little more. Like <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. If you can listen to... I'm going to shout out another great podcast, the last podcast on the left's Mormonism series, mm-hmm. and still keep, still want to keep going every Sunday, then, whew, I don't know, because those guys, they do their research. That They're not just pulling this, it's not just all paid up, like the Mormon church. So, yeah, I just, I don't know. I agree with you. Like, I'm not, and I don't know, do you what you want, but that, just that church in particular, it's just money. They just, they're just old white dudes that want money. That's all it yeah, is. I'd, I'd say they're almost every single religion is money. Just yeah. what level? There's some that are a lot better than that. Yeah. You know? The ones that are a little less judgy, where it's like, eh, Jesus is love. Whatever. Yep. Then, yeah, they tend to be a little less concerned about the money thing. When they're concerned about the money thing, there's a stringent set of rules you need to be following. 10%. Yep. And I guess the last little bit I'll say on that is a bit I heard on Real Time with Bill Maher. I know that's a show that's controversial. Some people don't like it. Some people love it. You know, I just think it's a pretty good cross-section of political opinions and debate. Yeah. And I like Bill Maher, but yeah, he's an asshole. So Big time. Yeah, like I get it. But uh, he made the point of just the correlation between evangelicals and Trump supporters and basically made the point that if you have space in your brain to allow for the belief in evangelical beliefs in Christendom, yeah, then you've already created the open fertile ground to believe in other cult-like bullshit. So, yep. If you're willing to believe in some fantastical nonsense like evangelicalism, then you're more likely to believe in QAnon and believe that Trump was a good president or think that anybody who's liberal is a communist just waiting to take over your home and take all your money and your guns. and Yeah. It's just not true. It's not, not even a little bit. 
and it's just like no there's tons of issues on the left and especially with the younger generation i think but is it equal to what's going on on the right i don't think even close but it's a discussion that could be had based on facts but yeah if you just base it on what somebody told you to feel about it or just emotions which basically having faith in something without proof is just yeah you're just basically going off of your feelings your mm -hmm. little feelies and it's it's dangerous it's not good for you it's not good for the country and it's not good for your loved ones so yep Stop question it. things if something you believe in says don't question this, good chance you should probably question it. Indeed, that's like the first. That's like the first warning sign. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, you better never think that this might be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and for instance, I'll use this as a segue. I just Denzel is an amazing actor, and he can do no wrong. He'll never make a bad movie. If you believe that. That you're living on a <laughs> mountain of lies. Because I watched The Little Things. Oh, yeah? This week. Yeah. It's one of... I think it's the second movie released on HBO Max that simultaneously releases in theaters. Is that by... Uh, what's his name? Who directed it? I don't even know the director. Okay. Um, This is Denzel Washington... Uh, Rami Malek, he was the guy who played Freddie Mercury and won an Oscar. And Jared Leto as like a creepy serial killer-like guy. And mm. it's a terrible, terrible film. And not because it's like a giant piece of shit. It's like made-for-TV, boring-as-fuck, standard predictable cinematography... Standard predictable score, standard predictable character decisions and actions and lines. and It was written in 1990, which makes a lot of sense because it has the exact same style of all those other crime thrillers from around then, like Kiss the Girls and mm -hmm. The Bone Collector, which is actually an awesome movie that had Denzel in it. But they didn't make this movie until recently. So that script was just floating through Hollywood for decades. Weird. Yeah. And, and they got they just like finally got like these major actors and Denzel's sleeping his way through it. Rami Malik stinks in it. And Jared Leto's good in it, but he's just being weird. Jared Leto, like he always is. Yeah. And yeah, so that's what I actually I posted this thing because I wanted to read it. Um, I use an app called Letterboxd. Yeah. It's kind of a movie diary. You kind of log all the movies you watch and get to review it at the end of the year, see how many you watched, um, all that stuff. And people leave reviews. And I was going through the reviews on the little things. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of it's the standard, like, what the fuck was that? Or, Holy shit, yeah. I want my two hours back. And so there's this one guy that says i kept waiting for the movie to start and then one person underneath them and i'm gonna shout him out this is well, this is a lady uh rafi nakashian on letterbox so go subscribe to her um, i'm just gonna read what she wrote she wrote 
Watching a good movie is one of the most enriching and joyous experiences. It can be pure fun or profoundly moving, make you laugh out loud or cry. It can expand your mind and your capacity for empathy and will sometimes completely alter your outlook on life. Watching a bad movie is a complete waste of time. Every time you hit play, you're basically gambling two hours of your life to see which one you'll get. Yep. And I kind of love that because when I'm on a good roll with film, I'm like, man, I love movies. I need to watch more movies. Like, why haven't I watched as many movies recently? And I'm just like in love with cinema and the importance of storytelling and all that stuff. But then when you see a bad one, you're like, I hate movies. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I totally wasted my day. And that's that's the power of... And I think it relates to other art forms like music, um, you know, comedy. If it's done lazily or just like in a bad way or a boring way, you're just like, why would anybody be into this? Like, Indeed. I don't get it. And then... But then when they're amazing, it's just like, wow, this is why I'm alive. Yeah, true that. So, well, um, I could actually use that as a segue into another thing, unless you had some thoughts to share on any of that. Well, I just wanted to toss in that the director of that movie is John Lee Hancock. Do you know him? Mm-mm. I don't recognize him either. I only recognize one of his movies. So he did sports drama films The Rookie and The Blind Side and historical drama films Saving Mr. Banks, The Founder, The Alamo, and The Highwayman. So okay. I'm like, I know a couple of those, I think. I've never heard of this guy. The Founder's so- pretty good. That has a lot of comedians in it. And I think that's uh, Matt Damon, who's kind of like this dorky business guy. Nice. Who's like kind of pretends that he's an FBI informant, but he really isn't. Oh. I think it's, I only watched it once, but I think it was pretty good. Um, The Blind Side is another movie I have a huge problem with. That's like the definition of a white savior movie. Oh. And we can get into what that is on another podcast, but it's just ridiculous. So this guy doesn't have a great track record. Seems like <laughs> no, not not as far as my track goes. There you go. But uh, I suppose I'll get into this article that I'll just suggest because that quote is kind of going over like how profoundly impactful storytelling can be when done right. Uh huh. Um, this is an NPR article titled "How Inuit Parents Teach Kids to Control Their Anger." I uh, worked at an after-school program for many years in Seattle, taught English in China, helped working out, working with kids as like a teacher's assistant randomly when I was growing up. So I have a fair amount of experience working with kids and teaching and all that. And I would say that I'm not good at controlling my anger. That's one of the reasons I quit teaching. Um, I feel like... It affected my emotions too easily. And I would just take it home with me and I'd stress out. And then if I was stressed at work, I'd kind of teach by grumpiness. Now, I think I can still be pretty entertaining and educating in that mode. Most of Mm -hmm. my friends, I think, would attest to this. 
But I just knew, it's like, nah, I'm getting too mad at these kids too easily. And I, I need to move on and do something different because there's people that are way better. So in this article, um, this anthropologist went and spent time with Inuit communities and parents. And this was like kind of back in the 70s. And she went back a bunch of different times, but she noticed something about the culture where they just would not get mad. And they just had an incredible ability to control their emotions. And so she kind of studied how they would raise children who were obviously tantrum prone and all that. And she told about one anecdotal story where one child was upset and picked up a rock and the parent said, are you going to throw that rock at me in a playful way? And the kid threw the rock at her and she's like, ow, that hurts. That hurts when you throw rocks at me. And just going through it in a playful, kind of friendly way. And anyway, the rest of the article kind of just gets into how when they're younger, they're basically helping these children form their decision-making process with emotions based on explaining to them what happens when they do things, like the consequences. Uh -huh. uh, they look at like yelling at kids or sending them to time out or getting mad at them as like stooping to their level. It's like that. What an embarrassing thing for an adult to do. Huh. To yell at a child like you're you're being childish now. Like I thought you were the adult. And it's interesting because when you a lot of childhood psychology stuff I went through talked about um, the synapses in your brain create neural pathways your decision making as as soon as you're born mm -hmm. um, mirror neurons are like basically empathy that we have between ourselves and other human beings it's a little like when they sneeze you sneeze somebody smiles at you you kind of can't help smiling back at them yeah but uh, yeah there's plenty of kids that put through traumatic situations they're not fed properly they're not given a safe place to be they have parents that are abusive either physically or verbally, they're basically screwing up that kid's neural pathways and creating a situation for the way to get what I want is to be aggressive here because that's the only way I ever get what I want over here. And so what was really interesting about this Inuit uh, community is just that one of the ways that they... is like, Well, how are you going to teach your kids if you don't, you know yell at them or get stern with them or put them in timeout, you know, and they do it through storytelling. And I kind of want to go into how important it is to almost add an element of danger to the stories because it hooks your audience. It gets the kids to be involved, but it's still in a way is playful, but it's like, why don't you go near the water? Well, there's a creature in there. If you get too close to the water, He'll reach out and grab you, put it, put you in his pouch and take off and he'll give you away to another family. And you hear that and you think, wow, what a fucked up thing to tell a kid. <laughs> but in a lot of ways, it's a playful participatory storytelling thing. And it did make me think back to times when I was a teacher where you're kind of just playfully creating and making stuff up as you're talking to the kids um and you know it's a little bit of like 
the boy who cried wolf and just how useful that is as a teaching tool. Yeah. And, you know, the kids will be like, well, he's not going to get me because I actually hunt wolves a lot and I know how to catch them. So he'd never get me. And then you participate in story building and work with that kid and tell him, no, the wolf would still get you. And all that stuff. And it's all playful. It's, it's, it's part of play. And yeah. I just thought it was interesting. And, you know, if you're going to give me a choice between a giant adult screaming in my face, time out, getting spanked, or you're going to tell me a story that kind of scares me, I'll take the story. Yeah. And I don't know, it was just interesting just how ingrained storytelling and all that is just ingrained into humanity because every culture, human culture throughout history has some element of an, of the importance of storytelling. Indeed. And passing st- tales down over generations. And just thought it was a really interesting article. So... Yeah, it's cool. NPR.org, how Inuit parents teach kids to control their anger. And it made me realize that the United States is filled with people that have not been raised properly. Oh, no, yeah, the most common thing I see these days is it's because we don't spank the kids. That's why everything's wrong. We got to start spanking them again. That's why everything's out of control because we don't physically abuse the shit out of our children. <laughs> yeah. I, I turned out great. No, you didn't. I wouldn't have no no lady mans <laughs> if I could spank him. You know how I know you didn't turn out great? You think that's a solution? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he somehow like got this gigantic weird ego now, and think that all the beatings your parents gave you turned you into a good person. All it did is turned you into a conformist who seeks to physically attack in order to get what you want yeah doesn't sound healthy to me Not and believe me spanking a kid i totally understand the impulse and a little slot on the side of the butt to be like, hey little attention getter yeah i don't think that's abusive just like and they're like oh yeah shit huh you know, that little pinch thing that the mom does on your... Shoulder, yeah. Yeah, your shoulder. Yeah, like, I don't think that's that fucked up. But nope. you go pick the branch we're going to break off and I'm going to hit you with every syllable. That's fucked up. Yeah. Get the but, stick. That being said... It's all part of the human story, right? Indeed. Parents that did that shit to us learned it from parents that did it to them that probably did it way worse. Yeah. So on and so forth. And humanity's always learning and trying to get better. So. Yeah, for sure. I certainly don't mean to shame parents that do time out or yell at their kids or spank. But once again, don't be so convinced of your correctness. Question it. And if there's yeah. evidence that pops up that perhaps it's not the best way to handle something, consider it. Please. Yeah. So, 
that came out of how much I hated the little things. Yeah. I, I don't think I watched any other movie this week. I was kind of busy with work, but that did kind of kill my mojo. guess we were working on the EP, too, so it wasn't a very big movie week for me. Word. Well, sorry, the one you did get insect. <laughs> it, it It's bound to happen. Yeah, every once in a while, you know. Yeah. So, uh, I don't really have anything else as far as video games or any other media stuff so let's get into dear jacob wayne and some weird news all right which one are we doing first let's do the dear jacob wayne oh hit it Okay, we got a little bit of a, uh, like, what's the extraterrestrial? Maybe not. Maybe not extraterrestrial. It's kind of like a, like an know, aliens asking dear Jacob Twilight, Wayne. Twilight Twilight Zone. Uh, dear Jacob Wayne. Okay. So it's not 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 our usual relationship advice. This one's just a weird one. Just sounds like so. a lot of my pothead friends. Just yeah. Doing their this, usual that phone could, call to me. <laughs> that could be the exact origins of this now that you mention it. <laughs> so this is called Creepy Find in My Jacket. Ooh. So, dear Jacob Wayne, I own a construction company. Three months ago, I find a pill bottle cap in my jacket. I notice it doesn't belong to any medication I take, and I think, huh, that's weird. And I throw it away. Today I find the exact same pill bottle cap, same text and size as my jacket after waking up from a, knack, from a nap. I'm currently trying to open it up to see if anything is inside it. What would you do, Jacob Wayne? Uh, wonder who's putting pill bottles in my coat? <laughs> like, do you share your coat with a girlfriend, perhaps? Anything? Uh... Anything like that? If not, you have a coworker who keeps putting pills in your pocket. Um, that reminds me of the story I was telling you recently where that one guy at the bar kept putting in uh, playing cards of naked men with erect penises. Oh, yeah. Into my pocket. And eh, that was pretty funny. Got me. But then he just kept following me around and doing it. And so it's like by the fifth time, he's like violating your space. You're like, this is getting into fight territory. You seriously not going to just keep <laughs> yeah. shoving things in my pocket without telling me? This one isn't as bad. It sounds like they're at least waiting for him to not have his coat on, or at least they're really good at slipping the pills into his coat. But he's having that hard of a time getting into a pill bottle? Well... Yeah, that, that's the weird. I guess that's the weirdest part. Like he he took just, time. Like I can't get in there. I'm I could get on a... Reddit while I'm doing this. And... <laughs> oh God, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, though I know mainly he, he I guess sounds it's... like a gigantic pothead or worse. Yeah. Well, and that's then the thing. He's, like he's going to wake up the next day like, oh yeah, I do take that medication. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like. If he is like, he's asking, like, should I take him? And it's, it's like, sounds like he probably do every time. 
Yeah. <laughs> if you don't Sounds like you is. come across any pill, it's popped right in your mouth. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, yeah, open it. See what they are. Sure, why not? But don't take them, dummy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So that was my, uh, my, uh, my advice is don't be a dumbass. (laughs) That comes every week. Yeah. Uh, Well, uh, there's all, there's, uh, I also have another one. So this one's a little more actual moral dilemma. So I grew up helping my dad hang gutters. He'd been doing it for 30 years and he's retired. Oftentimes we'd bring the long gutters on the roof and hang over the overhang instead of using ladders. And I, I just was doing what my dad did. But I wonder what if we damaged all the overhangs? This could result in mold and now like people's houses we worked on, they could be sick and dying. My brother took over the business and I'm sure he still does it this way. Should I tell him to stop? There's like countless homes we may have damaged. Um, yeah, talk to him about it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I'm like, well, how did you, like, had it suddenly have this, uh, realization one day, like, oh, wait, we've been doing this wrong this whole time, we should, like, what? Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, bring it up to your brother, and if you can do it better, you'll do it better, but at the same time, it's just like, if he's in charge, he's like, you're wrong. This is actually fine, and let me show you how and why, and then you then he'll put you at e- put you at ease. Yeah, it does seem like it would be fine. I mean, it's the little I know about gutters. Yeah, I don't know why you couldn't just go over on top and just like you know. Yeah, this is this just <laughs> boils down to why on earth would you be afraid about talking to? your coworker or your family member about something that may be going on. If you're that nervous about talking to them, yeah, you need to learn a, how to communicate better. Most of these are like, hey, this is a problem. And it's like, well, it's actually you have the problem. The problem yeah. is highlighting your problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> are you saying people that are just desperately seeking <laughs> solutions about other people might actually, should probably start with themselves? Maybe. Yeah. Could be a good place to start. Interesting. Indeed. All right, well, shall we do a weird news and call it good? Let's do it. I think we have a new uh, little thingy for that now. Oh, yeah, we do. Let's listen to that. Furt. That's good. That's some good shit. Oh, yeah. Mysterious. Indeed. Almost weird. Mm-hmm. In a good way, like the news. Okay. So, see, remind me, have we talked about the Dietlov Pass incident? I don't think so. Okay, I couldn't remember if I'd brought it up in a small bit before. So, have you heard of it? Mm-mm. All right, so uh, researchers looking into one of the theories behind the 
I'm totally screwing this up. D y a t l o v, <laughs> Diachlov. You know, I'm sure it's some crazy. D y p l o v. D y a t l o v, Diachlov. But I'm sure it's Diachlov in Russian. Diachlov. Yeah, Diachlov. Sounds like Russian. Diachlov Pass incident. A 1959 okay. unsolved mystery that saw nine hikers killed during an expedition into Russia's Ural Mountains. So mm. it drew inspiration from one unlikely source, Disney's 2013 hit film, Frozen. So mm. apparently uh, they they used their, they published the results of their finding last week, mechanisms of slab avalanche release and impact in the Dyatlov Pass incident. So their research supports the prevailing theory that an avalanche is behind the death of nine experienced hikers who were found in a grisly, partially dressed state, and some of them were like sc- suffering major skull damage. People were like missing eyes. One of them was missing a tongue. It's like this really mm. weird incident. There was like radiation levels, I think. So mm. the everybody just doesn't think it's an avalanche because what you know, year was this? 1959 is when the incident okay. happened. Yeah, right. So. Conspiracy theories ranging from alien abductions to attacks by a Russian Yeti have surrounded the years. <laughs> okay. But so apparently it's a slab avalanche. So that's uh, chunks of snow sitting atop weaker snow. Uh, the layers crack apart, slide downwards, often reaching speeds of 80 miles per hour after six seconds. So that's mm-hmm. m- most avalanche related deaths in North America are the same, the same like style. This paper suggests the slabs the slabs in Russia were like 16 feet long. So mm-hmm. they used a computer simulation from the, of the avalanche that was from the animation of Snow and Frozen. Like they did the snow so good that they could use it in their thing to help assist to figure out this like ancient mystery. Pixar did Frozen, right? Or is that a no? It says it's Disney. Well, Pixar does some films for Disney. I think it's like one for Disney, oh, one for them. Oh, I see. Cool. And then there are other animated Disney films, but I thought it was a Pixar film. A Pixar Disney. Okay, cool. But so. the only reason I ask is Pixar's... I think we talked about it with The Good Dinosaur once, where they had the overlay of the topography of like Wyoming, or maybe it was Montana. And they just overlaid it, and basically in The Good Dinosaur, you're just seeing the topography of Wyoming. And it looks, like, super realistic. Yeah. And so, like, just their capabilities as far as the technology going into their animation and world creation is actually, like, super impressive. And so that just adds to it. Yeah, just like when we were talking about Soul, you know? videotaping mm-hmm. them playing and stuff it's just that's how you do it right i'll do a quick shout out to uh my good buddy tucker fulmer um he's an artist friend of mine uh he was just one of my best friends little brothers ended up just being a really good friend too uh growing up um and he he could probably correct me on this but cartography's like working on maps right yeah um he uses satellite imagery to map the the earth essentially and i think he 
has a speciality of like doing oceans mm-hmm. like just the ground floor of the ocean cool and so i went you know he briefly showed me some of his work i won't pretend like i completely understand it but he just has these amazing images of the topography of the earth and what i think he started to do with some of those images is like turn them into artwork like he did one of las vegas recently that like has like a skull it's like a mirrored image of las vegas from up above and it's oh. just like really cool stuff and that he's using similar technology to just get creative so uh, that's a little bit of a tangent but i did want to shout him out um nice i think he does like squeezel art or just search randall tucker fulmer and he does great work so I highly recommend it. Indeed. As far as this this uh, tale, I'm surprised I didn't hear anything about cannibalism. Well, I think they probably died pretty quick after the avalanche happened. That's what they think while they were, like, undressed. It's because some people, like, just start taking off their clothes after hypothermia sets in. They're undressing so, and kind of, like, sucking each other's eyeballs. We're gonna go. Then, Let me eat your tongue. Whoops a doozy. So, yeah, that could... Yeah, d- maybe that is where the eyeballs and tongue went. That's, like, you know, the best sashimi. <laughs> yeah. I, that's just kind of what I was thinking. Is like, I don't really know how else they lose the eye and all that. Because everything else... Like, they had, like, one eye missing, one in, I'm assuming. Well, they a few people had eyes missing, one person missing a tongue, and they a, a couple of them were undressed. Right. So... So if like everybody's eyes were missing, like eh, maybe they decomposed and you'd, or whatever, but it's like frozen, so you'd be pretty preserved. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, I don't know. Just sounds like some crazy bullshit amongst them, and well, that covered them up. I'll be able. I to... wouldn't go to the Yeti or aliens so quickly, but oh, some no. people obviously will. I actually, it's funny that this story pops up because sitting next to me. I got this book for Christmas. It's called Dead Mountain, The Untold True Story of the Dyatlov Pass Incident. So I actually yeah. have a book on it, and I am going to read it. So I will see what it says and see if it kind of concurs with the avalanche theory or not. It might have been, like, since that study came out. Who knows? I don't know. We should recommit to our book club, but we obviously can't do it every week. Maybe at the top of every month we revisit our our oh, book club yeah. readings. Yeah. But yeah, some weeks I'm reading real well, and other weeks it's, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I really need to try to get a set time in my day to do it, because I always really enjoy it when I start doing it more, and then, yeah. but it's just hard to make that time. Yeah, I need to finish uh, Thinking Fast and Slow. Because I really want to get into this Colin Quinn book. Uh, the holy shit. Un, unst- damn it. I'm already forgetting it. It's like unstated. Ah. Or something like that. And it's he just roasts all 50 states. Nice. Might that, have to look that up that real quick. Quite, I don't want to get that wrong. Sounds like a good read. Yeah. Yeah, I've got many new books to read, many on my list, and it's been long enough since I read some classics. I need to go revisit them. Oh, way better title. Overstated. There you go. Yeah. 
his whole uh, premise, he had another special recently. He does kind of these one-man shows. Mm-hmm. So he did, like, History of the World, and then, like, kind of an American history one a little bit, and then he did one that was specifically, like, called Unconstitutional. Or, oh, oh he had one called Red State, Blue State. And I think it's in Red State, Blue State, where he's like, yeah, this country maybe just needs to break up. They've been in a relationship for a long time, and, you know, this this isn't really good for either one of us. Maybe we just <laughs> need to go our separate ways. We don't need to have See a war. Countries. Just... Yeah? I guess the only issue with that, though, is you split up this country, and then it allows other potential superpowers to take advantage, but... Yeah. yeah, it's it's not like the United States hasn't done a bunch of fucked up shit when they're the number one superpower. So, indeed, maybe it'd be good for us. Who knows? We'll slap around. Maybe we just take a break and we realize we miss each other. Indeed, it's gotta gotta be more of a yin and yang thing. Yeah, I had a fascinating conversation about that dynamic in America with my buddy Johnny Yao from China. Uh-huh. He was reflecting on how what he found fascinating about American politics is how it's just this yin yang pendulum swing that they have. He thinks that he put it as like that's one reason America's been able to maintain its power is because it seesaws between those two extremes. Interesting. That was an re- interesting perspective, for sure. Indeed. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm, you know, I'm a liberal cuck, and I'm starting to feel a little better about the direction we're going, but... Yeah. You know, I guess we'll see, right? You lib cucks will just clap for anything Sleepy Joe does. Sleepy Joe do nothing Sleepy Joe who's doing way too much. <laughs> yeah. He's doing uh, too many things, even though he's too old to do anything. Right. Well, <laughs> that's. I think that's a good episode. I agree, sir. Um, what should we title it? I think we're gonna start doing these live on the air. Ooh, episode twenty-two. I think it was a lot about questioning things, True. And storytelling. Huh. The story could be told? <laughs> hmm. See, I always want to do the cop-out where it's like, stories, questions, and advice. Oh, my. Oh, my. Just list three things. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. You can call um, that. Enjoy your stories, but question them. I don't know. We'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see you next week. You have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Jacob Wayne Show. 
If you would like to contact us, please write us at fakoshka at gmail.com. That is F-A-K-O-S-H-K-A at gmail.com. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Simply search The Jacob Wayne Show and it should pop right up. Make sure you like and subscribe and leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Please write us. It helps add content to the show and makes the show even better for you, the listener. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the Jacob Wayne Show.